This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. I want to give you a little bit of an insight into the Vedic literature as writings. Uh, we refer to the Vedic literature repeatedly as the source of transcendental knowledge as opposed to mundane knowledge that it is the science of God, it is not intended to be a religion, it's intended to be knowledge that informs the living entities of their constitutional position and the scientific understanding of their relationship with the Supreme Lord, their relationship with material nature, time, and the influences of karma. That these kind of form the roots, the basis of the structural predicament the living entities are in, in the material world with material bodies. But the Vedic literature is extremely old and it is delineated into the universe at the time of its creation so that knowledge is available to the living entities who decide they want to achieve something higher than material enjoyment. Now, generally speaking, everyone here is trying to enjoy. They're trying to enjoy them, their body, their senses, their mind. They're trying to enjoy with their external activities. They're trying to enjoy the things. They're trying to enjoy with other people. They're trying to enjoy fame, riches, beauty, strength. All of these particular things are focuses of enjoyment for the living entities in the material world. However, because of a deeply rooted misconception, which is that we are the body and have a soul, rather than the reality that we are the soul and have temporarily have this body, the living entities are all therefore ha uh, carrying an underlying level of anxiety. In some people it's very close to the surface, in some people it's uh, pushed completely back, almost inert. But no one is free from the anxieties of this material world because the material world, material nature itself, inflicts three types of sufferings upon all living entities here. They're called Aryatmik Aribaldik Aridebik in the Vedic terms, but in practical point of view, it's those sufferings caused by your own mind and body, sufferings caused by other living entities upon you, and sufferings caused by material nature or the activities of the material manifestation. And these activities come upon you without your endeavor. They spring up. We all have suffering of uh, disease. Nobody goes through their life and never got sick. Um, everybody experiences old age. People that are very young don't think they ever will, but we know from uh, history, we know from experience, that no one avoids getting old. And similarly, no one avoids death. So these factors of the material world make it a semi-incompatible experience. While we may be experiencing things uh, in the category of enjoyment, 
as I said, there's still an underlying discontentment. And many people go through a host of attempts to get rid of that underlying anxiety. Many people turn to uh, alcoholism uh, and drugs. As they call it escape, but really it's not escape, it's a relief. They're not trying to escape their life, they're trying to get relief from their life. And that's why they turn to these substances, because they make their senses perceive things differently, or perceive things less. Uh, some people absorb themselves in work. Some people absorb themselves in play, sport. Uh, some people uh, just absorb themselves in the conception of how important they are and how significant their life is and everything about it. They write down to, don't put that drink on the coffee table without a coaster. As though it's absolutely sacrilege to do that. So all of these things are actually attempts on the part of the living entities to make the anxiety go away. But the Vedic literature describes that this is foolishness in all the categories because the temporary enjoyment that one receives from these activities still does not remove the underlying anxiety and still does not put a solution to the actual problems of life disease, old age, death and this underlying uh, anxiety. So the Vedic literature is intended to give enlightenment and that means to liberate you from these misconceptions with the knowledge of what is the actual situation. This material world is not your home. Don't get used to it. No one is able to live eternally in this material world. Don't plan for it. The whole manifestation, the whole experience, all the enjoying opportunities, the beauty, the colors, all the different things about it are to make it palatable such that it's not so difficult that it's just like a hellish planet. But we tend to try to make a permanent solution. You see that happening. Okay, I got that fixed now. Let's put it down. We don't have to ever care about that again. It's working. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Now let's go over and do something else. Uh, the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And everybody is trying to make arrangements whereby there is a permanent solution to the difficulty. Whatever it may be. My TV doesn't work. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. They try to make a solution so they don't have to come back across that problem again. But we know from our experience in the material world that doesn't happen. That problems arise by the nature of the place. And therefore we have to become intelligent. We have to be intelligent. Use our intelligence to try to figure out how do I actually overcome this situation? It's not that there isn't a solution. And it's not that no one knows the solution. It's that I haven't discovered it yet. And everybody I know, most of them aren't looking for it. So of course you can't find what you're not looking for. But if I start to look and I want to understand, where do I look? And what do I find? And what is important? Well, the Vedic literature um, is in three particular categories. Um, one is the Bhagavad Gita as it is by our spiritual master Srila Prabhupada where it is the uh, 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 written record 
of the discussion between the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, and his devoted servant, Arjuna, when he was put into a very complex situation of having to instigate the fighting in a battle between two sections of the same family, cousins, fighting literally for the kingdom, the entire planet Earth. And this was 5,000 years ago. The battle took place on a field called Kuruksetra, which is north of Delhi in northern India. And at the time, his devotee came to him and said, this is amazing to see the array of military arrangements on their side and our side to fight over a kingdom. And he said, I don't need a kingdom that bad. What is going on here and what should I do? It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't see anything good coming out of this. And the Lord spoke to him, transcendental knowledge, as to why this battle had to take place and why the forces and the people and the interaction of this variety was necessary to correct the balance of society on the planet. So that is the first story. As you can see, it's very uh, grave and very serious. And the inquiry and the subject matter of their conversation is good for any human being, any man to hear, to get things in proper perspective of what's real, what matters, what is duty, what is desire. Then the next portion of the Vedic literature is called the Srimad Bhagavatam. This means the uh, story, the entire story of the life of Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And it takes place uh, through a variety of periods of time. And specifically it was spoken, um, this particular version was spoken 5,000 years ago and recorded so that you and I can understand and get a chance to hear and see all the information. It's described at the beginning of the book is like at, uh, the lotus feet of the Lord. And the end of the book is like the smiling face of the Lord. And all of the interactivities of the 18,000 verses in it are for the enlightenment and the upliftment and the awareness of the living entities. Now, the set and setting as to how this came about is extremely unique and very interesting as a story and very informative because what happened is a great king, his name was Maharaj Preeksit, and he was the king of this planet at the time. And he was a descendant of other great kings, actually even uh, those kings who won the Battle of Kuruksetra. And he was cursed uh, by the son of a Brahmin, a young boy, who had the Brahminical power, but not the intelligence to know what to do and not to do. And he cursed the king for a minor misunderstanding and offense with his father. And he caused the king to have to die in seven days. So the king, although he was great and powerful and could possibly have, probably have, reversed the curse, he took it as an opportunity that he could leave this material world and return to the spiritual world back home, back to Godhead, where it is our real home. And so he accepted that I will go ahead and die in seven days and I will fix my mind on that alone. And he gave up his kingdom. He turned the kingdom over to his son. 
He moved away from his family arrangements. He went to the banks of the sacred river. And there he assembled a group of the wisest sages and saints on the planet and inquired from them, what should a man do at the time of death? What should he do when he knows his death is imminent in such a way that he makes a perfect solution to the end of his life and leads himself back home, back to Godhead. And great sages voluntarily assembled from all around the universe, knowing that this great king, who was a great servant, a devotee of the Lord, was going to be successful in going back home, back to Godhead. And to witness that, and to be there, and to understand and hear the subject matter that he was listening to, to focus his consciousness in the correct status at the end of his life. These saints and sages came from all over the universe to hear the speaking of this Srimad Bhagavatam. And in so doing, it set the stage for there to be complete interaction of the transcendental nature uh, where you can receive direct information from the Lord himself. Now, of all the people that had gathered, one was a young boy, but he was fully realized in the science of the Srimad Bhagavatam as he had heard it from an incarnation of the Lord. And so he came and unhesitatingly took the exalted seat and he received any question before him by all the great saints and sages and specifically the king, who wished to know what he should do at the time of death. And so, they assembled in this holy place, the saints and sages from around the world, and the king received him with gracious, uh, humble determination to inquire from him what should someone do at the time of death and he said the king said to him I know that you are naturally inclined to do good to others and that you have no interest in other materialistic activities of what is happening on the planet and that you reside in a higher consciousness and I ask you to tell me what is the proper duty and activities and he acknowledged that the king acknowledged that all of you saints and sages have come from all parts of the universe and you are all good and full of supreme knowledge and I want to know from you what is the proper situation and what is it one should do? Now, there are six kinds of opulences in the material world and they are wealth, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge and renunciation. And they are all originally the different attributes that pertain to the qualities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Sri Krishna. 
So the living entities who are part and parcel entities of the Supreme Being, they have all these attributes partially. Up to the full strength of 78%. So in the material world, these attributes, up to 78% of the Lord's attributes, they are covered by the material nature as the sun is covered by a cloud. So the covered strength of the sun is very dim compared to the original glare. And similarly, the living beings with such attributes become almost extinct from their original color when they are covered by the material body. So there are three planetary systems in this universe, namely the lower, intermediate, and upper worlds. And the human beings on Earth are situated at the beginning of the intermediate worlds. But living beings at the topmost level of the universe, Lord Brahma and the other contemporaries and demigods and administrators of the universe, they live in the upper worlds of which the topmost planet is called Satyaloka. And in Satyaloka, the inhabitants are fully aware of Vedic wisdom. And thus, the mystic cloud of material energy is cleared for them. And therefore, they're known as knowledge personified. So such persons who are fully aware of knowledge, both material knowledge and transcendental knowledge, have no interest in either the material worlds. They are, are practically desireless. So in the mundane world, we have uh, nothing to achieve. And in the transcendental world, they are full within themselves. So then, why do they come to this mundane world? They descend on different planets as messiahs by the order of the Lord to deliver the fallen souls. And on earth they come down and do good to the people of the world in different circumstances under different influences. They have nothing to do with this world except reclaim the fallen souls rotting in material existence having been diluted by the material energy. So the king realized these great souls were there to help him, and he began to inquire from them. He wanted to understand what is the things that I should do. So he removed himself from family attachments. So he was an exclusive devotee of the Lord. And he served his family interests and his kingdom perfectly. Generally, people are attached to their family matters. And the whole economic you know, impetus of the human society is moving under the influence of family affections. But such deluded persons have no information that one can render better service to the family by becoming a devotee of the Lord, because the Lord gives special instructions and protection to the family members and descendants of a devotee, even though these members themselves may not be devotees. So the king knew that he was in a family of devotees because his grandfather was on the battle of Kurukshetra and received direct instructions from the Lord. And so he realized that all of these saints and sages were inspired by the Lord 
to come before him and appear voluntarily there to give him the teachings of this Srimad Bhagavatam. So this is the method that is used in the Vedic literature, in the Vedic culture. That a spiritual master who is skilled in the Vedic literature delivers the message uh, surrounded by devotional service to the Lord. That is impregnated with devotional service to the Lord. That is specifically intended to uplift the living entities to devotional service of the Lord. So, as an authorized spiritual master, he was inspired by the Lord to come before the king and give him the instructions and he could achieve so he could achieve ultimate success of going back home back to Godhead and leaving the material manifestation just after leaving this present material body so he inquired from the sage and the sage told him he said my dear king that no man has the ability to, on his own accord, lift himself from the, the conditions he's in, in material nature. That he must accept a spiritual master and hear from him the glories of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which entailed the descriptions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In his name, his form, his pastimes, his paraphernalia, his activities, and his associate devotees. That when one focuses his mind on these transcendental subject matters, the mind is cleared and all sinful residue from previous actions in this life or many other previous lives are washed away. And the devotee is freed from all these imperfections that would inhibit his returning to the spiritual world. And he instructed him that to hear the Srimad Bhagavatam with faith and devotion and an open heart, allows the Srimad Bhagavatam to cleanse all the dirty things and dust accumulated on the mirror of the mind. And it brings one to his clear consciousness just as though the body had been removed even while he's still in it. And he's able to raise himself to a full 78% of his attributes, of the Lord's attributes, coming back to awakened condition and in that awakened condition, it is easy for him to focus his mind upon the Supreme Personality of God in his transcendental abode in the spiritual sky and all of the activities and paraphernalia and associates that he made aware to him through reciting the Srimad Bhagavatam. And the king was able to focus his mind and he heard the Srimad Bhagavatam for seven days. And during that seven days, the sages asked questions, the king asked very intelligent questions, and he was given the answers by the impetus of the Lord through his spiritual master. And that knowledge penetrated his open heart and liberated him completely from the misconception that he is the material body, purified his mind and intelligence such that he was ready to focus and meet death with an open heart, and he was able to leave his material body in the association or assembly of all these great saints and sages. And they all saw him return back home, back to Godhead. Now this very information, the Srimad Bhagavatam, is available to you and I. 
The Srimad Bhagavatam is available for purchase in the entire, I think it's 50 volumes. And the entire story, the set and setting and the inner meetings are all delineated for you and I by our spiritual master, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. He is an authorized spiritual master and empowered personality under the directions of the Lord to deliver the Srimad Bhagavatam to you and I, the fallen citizens of this age. And by the mercy of this book and the mercy of the spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, anyone can do exactly what the king did. Because we have no idea when the time of death comes. The king knew, but we don't. And we can take up the Srimad Bhagavatam and read and go through all of the volumes and raise ourselves to the platform of above the bodily concept and misconceptions of life and return to the spiritual world at the end of this very life, putting an end to the sufferings and anxieties that are caused by being in the material world. So this opportunity is presented to you, and this is the basis for this program, Vedic Wisdom. And we're providing encouragement that you read the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's easy to look up on the, on the net. You can look up books by Srila Prabhupada, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. You can look up the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's spelled pretty much like it sounds. And you can look up Bhagavad Gita as it is. And these books will give you knowledge, unprecedented knowledge, and wisdom, and upliftment, and solve the problems of life, birth, death, old age, and disease, and the anxiety of being in a temporary place as an eternal being. So we encourage you, please, read the Vedic literature. And there you will find the solution to all of the deepest and most serious and most secret and confidential questions and knowledge on the universe. Take up the Srimad Bhagavatam. Take up the Bhagavad Gita. By His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices. Or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.